Hey, greetings traders and happy Tuesday. We have big tech front and center, so I'm really grateful that you joined us today. I'm going to be jo joined by uh, Jonathan Gibbons in just a moment. And first, I want to just kind of go over a few little housekeeping matters. This is Macro to Micro Power Hour. I am Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com and CIO of LaDuke Capital. I have this Tuesday, Thursday gig where it's really a pleasure to pick apart themes, if you will, bullish or bearish, just kind of trying to educate so we can trade accordingly, uh, not be blindsided as much as possible. And uh, for that, I have partner in crime here, Jonathan. Let's see if we can get him in and promoted. Raise your hand when you get in here, my friend. And he's probably totally focused on his big tech stuff. Um, You'll notice on Tuesdays with this uh, kind of topic of uh, macro to micro, we also kind of cover what's going on in our respective worlds. And he has been very focused on VigTech IO launch with an options matrix product, which is the bomb, really lightning fast. No other option service has it. So that's been in beta. And then we also have my risk indicators, uh, which are going live as well. So. Lots going on there. Let me just grab him real quick and put this over yonder. I got a screen share, right? There he is. Ta-da! So glad. I started to worry there, Jonathan. Just kidding. I just was saying you are so busy, ridiculously busy. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, perfect. All right. I'm letting folks know that when we're done this recording, and this is focused on crypto and uh, your beard. Look at that. <laughs> you got to drop that release and go on vacation. All there right. When, when it's all done, it'll be on LaDuke Trading um, YouTube channel. And you can check that out because that's where I put it afterwards. So a little housekeeping, LaDuke Trading right here macro to micro power hour okay all right excuse me jonathan how are you doing since i know it's been kind of crazy with um your release oh it's doing good it's busy but uh you know we've been working on it for a while working on all this stuff for a while so it's not like a surprise right like oh my gosh <laughs> it's just it's like now it's kind of all coming out and going into motion so it's been it's been really good great feedback from everybody and um you know, people really liking all this stuff. So we've got some great ideas from folks for things to add and, um, you know, just, just really positive. So really fortunate to be uh, doing what we're doing every day, right? All right. So you're up to your eyeballs in development projects and getting them out the door and supporting creators like me. So we're excited as well. It's, it's not a horse race, but it definitely feels like it's a long you know, long kind of race after race after race. It doesn't, there aren't a lot of breaks. So I appreciate you taking time on this Tuesday afternoon because we have a kind of pause in the crypto markets and some are very help, hopeful about this uh, gold bounce that we've had of late. But I thought it was really just a lot of interesting factoids kind of popping up like when Coin did their IPO um, two weeks ago. And obviously, Bitcoin, we can see, has fallen, uh, had a big, big bounce yesterday um, after it hit like 47,000 back up to 53,000. But that had been a really solid dump. So it was due an oversold bounce. But it was interesting um, after this, um, you know, bit of uh, uh, this, uh, sorry, this uh, drop got bit up again. Um, I was looking into kind of institutional ownership of you know, Bitcoin and crypto and Coinbase does a good job of putting a lot of information up there about their about their assets, if you will. I mean, they mm -hmm. even have, you know, Dogecoin, Doge however you want to put it, um, as really just it was created as a joke, you know, and then it 9000 percent before it dropped 64 percent. Also, along the same kind of fateful time frame of when the coin IPO came out just parabolas equal trapped longs and then boom. So this was also interesting that um, they claim about 70% uh, is institutional ownership, professional, not deemed non-professional traders and investors, but self-declared professional on their 
exchange. So that's some sizable coin invested in Bitcoin and cryptos. It's clearly not going away. And in the meantime, not a lot of you know hedges out there performing, but the market also hasn't come back down at all. And then I saw you had a tweet on the kind of the Bitcoin proxies, the Mara, the Riot, and of course the, the, the trusts, the GBTC. I would love for you to show those because that speaks to the volume um, that's been going on in that marketplace as a very hot, hot tradable space. And then last but not least, Binance, what is this, Binance? I can't even pronounce it. Binance. Finance, thank you so much. I mean, yep. this is how, okay, so cool kids, I am not, never was, don't pretend to be. But Binance was also um, a tweet that I grabbed because they had leverage that was just insane, right? 100 and, what was it, 25? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was big. Like, yeah, 12,000 or something. You, you put yeah. in 8,000 you get a million of leverage. It, I, I don't know what that works out to right off the top of my head, but it's, right. it's, it's, it's breakneck speed. So give me your thoughts on this, this space now that we've kind of calmed down a little bit since the coin IPO. Um, my, my perspective is, um, is, much, is a little bit more broad. Like what we've been seeing is uh, not to specifically look at Bitcoin, but, um, or, or even Ethereum. But now watching this for a couple months and kind of being interactive with some things on our side with the exchanges and things like that, it's uh, quite illuminating. What is very interesting is like those pictures that I showed on Twitter earlier, where you're looking in like three different sectors where a corporation that is involved or somehow associated with you know, uh, crypto um, is larger traded in options premium on a day in and day out basis in volume than banks, than the players in the space that have been the like legacy players in the space for a long time. And to me, that's like, wow, because that's, that's not a speculative thing about, you know, coins. That's something different. Um, that's actually institutional capital, real capital coming into a right, large market trading these particular vehicles for a reason, right? Whatever that reason may be, but we can kind of unpack that a little bit, but like they're larger. And this is not like, oh, okay, last week. I've been watching this for like a month and a half. And it's just like, wow, this is every single day that these crypto related stocks. And I would, that's the only real phrase I can, can reference them are getting this much volume and this much attention. Like if you look at the top 50 on a daily basis, there's at least five to six of these in the top 50 every day where, you know, maybe JPM isn't even in the top 50. And so, you know, digging a little bit through that, it's like, what are they doing? Like what is going on that would drive such an interest to be in that kind of capital environment like what what is it that's underlying all this because i don't believe it's and is it retail right? or institutional i think it was retail right and initially a historic you know if you go look at uh, i don't know might be a good thing for people to go look at like you know bitfinex and some of these old stories that are a little bit older in the space I mean, it started out of hong kong or what have you and the thing you brought up a minute ago about leverage was really important because that was really one of the most attractive things to the space for traders early. So I think you had like, you know, hold holdlers, like, you know, the hold on for dear life folks early, you know, the zealots, they really bought into the zeitgeist. And then you get traders coming into that space. And I, I was put onto a couple of stories about like reading in-depth, you know, kind of uh, uh, narratives that have been written about the history of that stuff. And it was all about the leverage. These things grew enormously because they were offering just crazy leverage, like you just mentioned a minute ago. Well, super attractive to traders, right? Because they can take 10 grand and run a million bucks off of it, right? And that that gave, you know, that drew a lot of attention into this space. Then you get, you know, you know, the kind of crypto growth that you saw back in the 16, 17, 18, 19 period, it cools off and then it takes off again. Now the institutions are coming in and then you're seeing it, but that was institutions, then you know, you get Bitcoin uh you know, CME, 
futures, you get, you know, mini futures, you get these types of futures products, like institutional grade products, then you get GBTCs. And now you're seeing it like these are these are stocks trading options on a daily basis and having the underlying securities being purchased, which we know once it comes back to the ETFs, that the ETFs will rebalance based on market cap size. So these things are growing in size to the point where they're becoming a part of the market. And I really started picking up on that as it relates to IWM because I was like, how many of these things are in IWM? And how many of these Momo things are in the Russell? And the Russell has turned into this quasi tech stock um, bundle. And so I'm kind of just seeing this transition to where, you know, okay, maybe these coins are front running, you know, in price and are hard to project what they're, what's they're really worth, right? Like, but is there something else underlying here that is transpiring that, you know, is being necessarily completely identified, right? As like, that's it, like, that's exactly it. But it's, you know, money's flocking to it in a sense of now it's just becoming pretty large, which is why I'm very suspect of any way that they would, deregulate or re or regulate this in a way that they would just say, Oh, it's over. You know, it, it's gone because you'd be wiping out, let's say six to 10 of the most heavily traded stocks on a daily basis. You're just going to wipe those out from a regulatory standpoint. At some point that doesn't make any sense because it's institutionally adopted, which you're seeing, like you're saying how oh, these are, these are now institutional accounts and you're seeing institutional growth in it. And I'm hearing constantly institutional exposure to these things. And people want institutional exposure in a lot of different ways. Maybe I don't want to hold Bitcoin, but I will invest in Square because Square is utilizing that. Or I'm investing more in Visa because I know Visa and Visa is going to be my proxy and Visa is going to give me an opportunity to be exposed without actually holding something I don't quite understand. Visa guys know what they're doing. You know, the, the Tesla people, those folks know what they're doing, right? That's what people would be, you know, believing to an extent that they can proxy. And that's right? why and, ARK must be, you know, keeps buying every day. It seems coin, coin, coin. My, my two cents on this, and this is just totally for assumption. Okay, and conjecture is that realistically, and this goes to the gold conversation, is that why did everybody like gold or back 2010, you know, 8, 0, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, and then gold got crushed, but it was the, it was a property ownership. It was the ability to say, I, I own that bar. Right. And, you know, I, there's a there's a property rights component to it, basically a, an exchange medium. So I know I sold you that bar, physical stuff. And then you find out all this stuff about the rehypothecation of the silver market and the rehypothecation in the gold market. And everybody was like, ah, you know, really, there's a lot of similarities when I've talked to early stage holders and Bitcoin and the, the folks that I used to talk to all the time, let's say 10 years ago in the gold market. There's a real zeitgeist to that where it's all about, you know, kind of a sound money where it's like, this is what I own and this is the transaction for it. So I call self-clearing, right? So self-clearing mechanism. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of similarities to that conversation. And I think a lot of like gold folks had transitioned to crypto in the back half of 17, 18, 19, 20, where they probably would have been totally in gold back then, right? Where, you know, where I talked to them seven, eight, 10 years ago. And I think institutions are starting to do the same thing because what really is happening in a lot of this, this crypto stuff that's underlying all this stuff is the mechanism of self-clearing. And that's the whole kind of concept behind us where this was in this guy's hand or this lady's hand, and now it's in that person's hand. No middleman. No, no, you know, duplication, rehypothecation at its most purest form. Now, that's not necessarily what happens all the time. There is a lot of scale and exponentiality put on there as far as leverage is concerned. But I'm saying in its most basic context, that's really what one of the primary underlying things is. And I would share this because I actually have heard a story recently about, um, let's just say, you know, commodity that's now kind of added that same kind of technology to clearing trades themselves in the gold market, right? So is it really something that's only gonna be available in the crypto market? Or is that kind of technology, that kind of exchange mechanism where middlemen to an extent, not necessarily needed 
to a degree as far as ownership is concerned and distribution is concerned, like the LDMA, things like that, um, really become something to think about for gold in the future. Because if, if that, if that kind of like gold's a bar, it sits in the closet and collects mm -hmm. dust now, you know, changes to where gold's in a bar, a bar in the closet that collects dust that actually can function in the same way as crypto, as far as how the trading takes place. That's a totally different story going forward. And it's a very unique, interesting perspective. And I think that that to me is the underlying thing that I'm saying more is like, is it the coins in crypto or is it that the movement mechanism. towards self-clearing that people are super attracted to? Visa, interesting. So it's, where, if all the these mechanism, things. you know, gains some traction, it's actually bullish for gold, which traditionally has had very high carry costs. And they also Correct. say- you know, high fees for Bitcoin transactions and crypto, you know, also ha holds very, very large transaction costs, but people are still doing it. The alpha is just too great, right? That that fear yeah. of missing out is just, it's just, again, cool kids are all on board this train. Coins, right? Coins yeah. versus the actual technology, right? And Versus and so, the actual technologies. So, yeah. so then... Okay, so kind of um, go back to like this clearing mechanism, but also um, I remember back in January, the U.S. Treasury OCC, the largest banking regula regulator, um, said that U.S. banks can use public blockchains and dollar stable coins as a settlement infrastructure in the U.S. financial system. Any any correlation with that timing back in January and this this kind of uh, impetus for the, the clearing mechanism? It's caught on. It's it's one hundred percent. Solid, and and the, it's yeah, legitimate. It's <laughs> attracted a lot of institutions. It, it, yeah, because effectively, right? You know, uh, it, and I can't. I have no idea, right? Like where all that heads at the end of the day. But they are. They are. You can see the pattern of adoption, right? It, it's a pattern of adoption that is taking place. That is. Um, if you look at the Southern District of New York Attorney General, which was a big marker for me, looking into Tether. And they were like, yeah. you know, we're not going to do any much about this, do it fine and keep moving. And this kind of stuff makes you, you know, you kind of step back and go, how big is this? How big is the market become? Right. And how big is the, it's not just the Bitcoin market as it relates to the gold market. I think if you look at that or the Bitcoin market related to, to the silver market or Ethereum as a combined basket versus this, if you I'll discount, if you discount out, Visa, Square, PayPal, Riot, Mara, Coin, all those to that conversation, you're totally not looking at the whole picture of the actual kind of bigger theme here is it kind of, and you saw something like this, and we talked about this when we talked a while back about um, Robinhood with the DTCC and, mm -hmm. the, and the T minus stuff and all that. That's stuff that is not really the most efficient way to, to transact, you know, so Shares to shares, right? And changes potentially system, but it's also systemic rest. Yeah, correct. It changes. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like you're seeing people go, there's a new way, not necessarily like people like Dogecoin, right? Like there's speculative mania and like anything right now, right? Like I seen like houses sell in about 10 minutes, right? Like, you know, there's an inflationary uh, presence that it cannot be denied, right? And that's coin impactful for sure. But I'm not sure people are investing in Visa and some of this other stuff that's picked up to do this technology because they are, you know, thinking about coins. I think, I think they're, they're looking at something deeper and these corporations aren't just piggybacking. Right. So if, you know. if Bitcoin is to commodity as tokens are to, you know, securities, then I still see, you know, the Bitcoin as a commodity, for lack of a better word, and yet it had come down ferociously on that coin IPO. Would you say that's attributable to the power outage in China mostly, or would you say that's just the alternative um, that folks just, you know, want to put their money in coin as a more legitimate security over commodity. I, I, I personally just saw Ethereum hold its own and continue higher and now break out uh, high above its all-time yeah. high. I wonder if there's been rotation also from Bitcoin into the Ethereum play. So that's yeah, I think yeah, I think totally. I, I agree with you, and I think that's to your point, like rotational. What you've been saying for a long time, expensive to cheat. 
right? You know, you could roll out a Bitcoin, roll into Ethereum. That's one, right? Mm -hmm. Potential. The other potential is, is, is regulatory. There was some scary regulatory stuff. Oh, that those, weekend, those headlines right? that just, came out Saturday night were within right? one hour of that flash crash that literally force liquidated $13 billion in the Coinbase crypto market in yeah. on a Saturday night. And it was absolutely following a Janet Yellen money laundering crypto. We're going to look into it tweet on a Saturday night at like 1030. <laughs> I, I would draw the comparison this way. Pets.com, right? And the internet and pets.com what's pets.com worth what's any of those stocks worth back then right it was got it got frothy extremely frothy in the sense that people were chasing the perceived value of what the internet was going to do versus what the companies that were adopting the internet were going to do right and it's not dissimilar right not the same technology by any stretch of the imagination but it's kind of a structural shift to a degree which we're still trying to feel out what it could mean and how it could impact so many different things the bigger players are adopting it in a functional way the more speculative players are adopting it with leverage and creating you know who coin and like some of the other funny stuff that i've seen in the last few days <laughs> just totally outlandish stuff but like you know it's it's like two two sides of it the functional use case and then the kind of speculative mechanism so i think the bitcoin flash crash bitcoin is highly speculative um to a degree it's adopted but it's still got a big speculative arm to it and ethereum is much less speculative much more of a functional vehicle too right like it's got a, a totally different use case so i'm you know i've always been kind of much pro more pro ethereum but the, these things as they get adopted are going to have a lot of or not a lot of volatility um you know over the course of time but this this self-clearing thing really has a, some some very very applicable use cases. Um, and I've seen, when you think about like things that are blockchain invested groups that are like, you know, they're investing in blockchain related companies. I've seen, I've looked at, come across my desk the last few weeks, investments into like insurance companies that are gonna pool risk into these types of like uh, structures where they allow it to be much more transparent. Um, it's, 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 it's a solving mechanism for a lot of the functional Things. And so I, I've admitted freely that I have not, over the course of, let's say, the last 12 months, haven't spent a significant amount of time in Bitcoin till the last two to three months. And not because of the run up in price, but because of some of the things I was seeing as it relates to clearing and it relates to the technology adoption and, and, and just kind of the general kind of functionality. So I'm not, I can't quote enough on, I, I can't say, I can quote all I want to. But I can't intelligently comment enough about the price action in, in Bitcoin um, or Ethereum because I'm not tracking it on a day in and day out basis. I'm just watching this monstrosity of capital flows into the securities that are associated with the with the technological kind of component of it. Um, some some more focused than others. Some have an actual use case of it. Some are just totally speculative vehicles like MSTR, right? Like that's that's not really what are they actually doing? They're just buying and holding Bitcoin. That's not really a strategy, right? That's a that's just a proxy for holding coin. It's a proxy. And, and uh, one of the questions, of course, you know, what do we think about the, these individual proxies? The Mara, the Riot, the micro strategy, Tesla just sold they you know announced uh, for profit 101 million dollars on their bitcoin sale so i don't know if that was all of it part of it they'll come back in and buy but now we have that transaction to try and evaluate as far as tesla earnings it didn't drop very much but then the earnings weren't you know so exciting so it's kind of hard to know now are they buying tesla for the ev revolution or are they buying it for the celebrity, you know, CEO, or for the the holdings on the balance sheet in Bitcoin, or was past tense? Um, it, it, so you know, some of the the pure, you know, plays like the the gray, uh, the grayscale trusts Ethereum, and they have a classic, and of course Bitcoin and Litecoin. Um, it, it is definitely growing a little bit, but it's still they're not the easiest thing to trade and they don't have an options market worth really playing. So yeah. I think most what you're seeing, and I'd love for you to show a chart on that of the option um, 
drama that's taking place in these Bitcoin proxies. And then I want, while you bring that up, uh, Peter's asking a question in regards to <clears throat> uh, if cryptos were truly a digital gold asset, should it not trade inversely to long-term real rates just the same as gold? And my comment on that depends on how quickly, I mean, for gold anyway, how quickly, quickly gold inflation is running, you know, to outrun the, uh, the, the, the rates, the real rates. So for right now, inflation is just hot and across the board, soybeans, corn, wheat, lumber, um, sugars now in on, I just tweeted that yesterday, a fabulous monthly um, chart of sugar. Americans are going to hate that, but the costs are going to go higher. So it was, to me, I don't even see it similar to gold. I see it as an alternative um, and it, it still shocks me that it's really a play on this kind of fiat debase, debasement. I don't think you should wish that on your worst enemy, but in any case. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say, I would say like, uh, you know, the, the, the different ones like can Ebon, riot, um, they're all different in the respects of, uh, Mara, like, uh, you know, some like, uh, here, let me share my screen. I'll, oh, I'll, oh, sorry. That's right. Hit it. All right. Oh, Peggy, you did. That was actually, I didn't see your comment. Peggy, um, right above Thomas says, I see it as competition with fiat currency inflation. Mm. Mm. Got to dissect that one because right now we have kind of the opposite occurring right now with the dollar for a while. And I think we have two more months of softness before the dollar starts to pick up again. Um, and with it, I think we'll have a little bit more yield spiking. But for right now, we're kind of flat. As uh, yeah, expected. I, yeah, totally. I agree. I, you know, and what I was referring to earlier is you can like look at th this is just like total, total premiums that they like Mara, right? Larger than Etsy and Blink. I mean, the largest one in that commercial services area, different application, different type of approach that they're taking as a business, um, different sector. And you come over to finance and you've got, you know, Riot. And Riot has a totally different kind of approach to what they're doing. So I, I think that you're seeing this isn't so as an institution, right? Like an institution may not have the ability to take exposure to certain things based on rule structures. So I can't actually go invest in that because it's against my mandates and against our like, uh, you know, uh, uh, terms and conditions or something to that effect, or maybe it's the rules and regs of their risk department. So they can't go buy Bitcoin or trade futures or something to that effect, but they can go trade options, right? In the, in the public market where it's freely traded, something that's highly liquid, that's attractive to money that was not able to go in over here. So you're starting to see products get packed since GBTC assets are growing, they've made it more available. Uh, I think I saw that Gemini has $25 billion and assets flowing through them. Um, and that was a four or five uh, pro the currency product, like cryptocurrency product. And now it's got many currencies, uh, cryptocurrencies running through there and they're, they're functioning more like a bank. So what, what's fascinating is like to even look at Visa, for example, Visa has been constantly at the top of the finance sector as far as premium concerned since they got involved with the crypto space and have been adopting that kind of technology. So, you know, I don't know if people have been like listening to this for quite some time for, for this podcast, but I, I, I've always been primarily like, hey, gold serves a significant purpose for a reason. I don't actually think that's changed at all. I don't think that this is that. This is something that's more of a technological play in this public market as it's floating around right now. Like, I don't think it's not uh, necessarily a, um, like Square. Like Square is regularly now in coin, even look at coin, this is, this is the fangs are dominant in here for the longest period of time. For the longest period of time, it was nothing but fangs. And now you're seeing Square and coin on a daily basis in that size. So I think it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a lot simpler than we think. 
in the, in the context that maybe people just weren't able to get to it at the institutional level because of the rules and regulations behind it, that it could be as simple as the standard deviation requirements that they have to own individual assets. So if something moves too much, they can't own it. But this stuff, they have some segment of their portfolios that are allocated to highly dynamic and volatile options. Well, now they can trade those. Or the underlying securities that are greenlit by a Morningstar, like a Visa or a Square that people have been really attracted to. Those things can now attract real money. And that then puts money into R&D and gets into the space. But again, I think so to answer the long, long story short, is you see this in a lot of different ways for each individual company that is adopting some sort of component from this space, which I think the underlying thing is smart contract clearing and an efficiency behind that that does move things forward and cuts out some degree of middlemen, which is what PayPal originally was so very, uh, very much adopted for. So hopefully that kind of answers what that question is and what I'm seeing in the sense that I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's a gold. I, do, I don't think it's, I think the coins are attracting some folks to gold from gold that were related to that fiat conversation. But that, what we're seeing, I don't even see gold, GLD in the top 50, you know, every day as far as premiums are concerned at all. I rarely see silver. They make an appearance sometimes. When you see six to 10 companies on a daily basis that are somehow involved with that, I don't believe it's the same thing, right? If you, if, and if you look at it, like, I think you're right about Bitcoin as it relates to gold. It's a commodity to commodity, but they're not really the same thing. And they don't even serve the same use case because like Bitcoin's not a tier one asset with a bank. Gold is. Gold is a banking tool. It's a part of the Basel system and that hasn't changed. And so I, I wonder if it's, uh, if it's not necessarily the same thing anymore. And gold could have a totally different run associated with inflation oh, as yeah. it relates to the banking system that has come off the rails with the inflation that we're seeing. And it could run extremely hot as is silver could run extremely hot here. And we're starting to see a constant bid as well in the PM space and in the options of the PM space on a daily basis. Now it's pretty relentless. And that's and so, what I'm watching is that bifurcation yeah. because right now it's been very nice short with bonds for months since August. And as yields spike and as inflation you know, continues to spike, this puts pressure on bonds, which traditionally I have seen very strong fractal with weakness in gold and gold miners and the like. And so recently, Commodities are getting way, way spiky, like limit up, limit down, limit up, limit down, limit up, limit down. And it's getting volatile to a degree where that's going to become a headwind soon. But gold has held now, right? Yes. Bonds have yes. gone sideways, which is that, you know, that flattening of the yield curve versus steepening, which is it was totally to a pause. Looks like it was a pause that may refresh. Bonds continue lower. And if gold and silver continues higher, then we have trouble. That's yes. where I look for that divergence where I've been stalking this, okay, little bounce, but now if bonds continue lower and gold and silver continue higher, we got, we, we got some trouble brewing in commodity land. They're going to start getting eruptive like a volcano. I totally agree. And they, and they play a different role in the monetary system right now and you know directly correlated to the banking system and we're we, you know i was uh, anecdotally was went to the beach to go eat this weekend in the evening so we were like okay on saturday so let's cut it off we've been working we'll go drive over to the beach here in st pete and we'll you know look for a place to, to get a beer right and every single place that we drove by and i've been in the bay area for i don't know 15 20 years and it never seen anything like it in my life. It was packed with people out the door and every single place had a sign that said help wanted. So many places had signs that said, we'll pay for interviews, right? And this is on top of, this is on top of seeing $115 plywood, right? Four by eight sheet of plywood and a 16 to $20 two by four at yeah. the end of the week. So these, this inflation situation is totally a separate conversation but than lumber, crypto adoption, right? Intimately, you know? because I've been I've been on that one for a long time since last summer. So this yeah. one I really understand supply and elasticity and the whole bit. But if nat gas, which we have in abundance, starts to creep up from the dead, 
if if Nat Gas starts to rise from the dead, and I mean rise, call. then we are in trouble because that is something we have in abundance. <laughs> we have like no issues there. And if we start to, and by the way, oil should be weak. It's been sideways, fundamentally speaking. There are, I can give all that kind of rationale. Luckily, I've got, you know, help on the oil trading side from a friend who just trades oil. We should not. We should not be going higher in oil. So if we do, <laughs> that's another like tell. Correct, correct, correct. You know, and, and I think that the inflation component of this is a completely different thing than the crypto stuff. The, the crypto coins and the crypto kind of infrastructure of self-clearing are two totally different things. And I would, I would suggest kind of compartmentalizing those two. Silver and gold are going to directly correlate is inside the banking system problem and then your commodities are totally running hot you know and you've been all over that for a month and a half two months now and that's a generational situation and on top of that if you have so much excess liquidity chasing so few things right then like nat gas is very scary when that's when nat gas is in abundance and that means there's so much more dollars in the system, then there is an abundance of nat gas. That is that's terrifying. I agree with you. So inflation definition is just an abundance of cash with too few goods, you know, to to chase. Yes. But nat gas, that's the opposite. We also don't have a problem with oil. And if they both start to rise, especially nat gas outperforms, or gold and silver starts to outperform. And yes, I understand that you know the physicality of gold versus Bitcoin. There's a really big difference, and it's also been manipulated for how long in the silver market and in the yes. gold market. It's very tough, and the gold miners trade very much like the underlying, so it's, you know, anyway. But this still, these two charts fascinate me. Um, one is just the sheer conspiracy theory of it, but I have to point it out. This is from a Bloomberg article. Percentage of accounts owning 95% of Bitcoin supply, about 2% of accounts control 95% yep. of all Bitcoin. Yep. How is this retail? <laughs> and that's it. They're out of China. And 75% is mined, right, in, in the, look, yeah, China, Russia. Corridor, yeah. Yes, the corridor. Um, so to me, this then prompted some interest in this chart, which Raul Powell, everyone follows him, I'm quite sure, for his crypto Bitcoin color. But this one particular chart did grab my attention. That's Bitcoin to Ethereum. And the, his point was that Bitcoin is the collateral and Ethereum is actually the digital currency. I think I, yeah, I don't know enough to, way to look at it, but look at the chart. I did like the chart. <laughs> so. That's a, that's a, that is a strong, that's a potentially strong setup, right? Like that'll climb that wall on the left side, just from a sheer market structure perspective over six yeah. pennies. Yeah. So Ethereum to me over the alternative of Bitcoin. And then of course you have all these equities that are, you know, related to the Bitcoin proxy. And then you have all of the optionality in this Bitcoin proxy world. Then you have all the leverage in the Bitcoin and the cryptos of which what maybe 96% of them are just bogus. <laughs> so it's to me. And then I keep reading about whales selling their Bitcoin. If you have 2% of accounts controlled 95% of all Bitcoin and the whales are selling. I, I track Bloomberg really well. <laughs> so, Bitcoin whales, just Google that. Yeah, something's yeah, up. yeah. Something's up in the Bitcoin market. There is a rotation. Yeah, well, you can't move it all at once if you otherwise let's say you're let's say you were a whale and you were huge and you wanted to dump the position. You couldn't dump it all at once because you dump it on yourself because you're gonna wipe out all the order flow underneath you and just collapse it. And then that's gonna you evaporate it and you're gonna have a huge air pocket. So they gotta bleed it out, right? You know, uh, over a period of time. And he has a great point in here about, you know, probably not uniquely individuals, but probably the exchanges, Coinbase, Binance, et cetera. I think it's probably a pretty fair statement too, assumptive. But having, having said that, let's say you've got a, a large early, early adoptive institutions or large early adoptive players in this that have huge positions. They still can't dump those simultaneously 
right? Because um, they'll they'll actually wipe their own self out, um, and they'll be delivering it at a much lower price to the market. Because if I have twenty million, right, to drop, which I know that there's only like twenty two million or something like that, so it's like two hundred thousand coins I got to drop. I can hurt the market selling all at one time because there's not enough for bid at that at that at that size. So twenty 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 something to that effect, which is why you see the same functionality in the options market. They'll split up the orders, and otherwise you tip your hand and and or crush the market. So I, I think you know um, it's Bitcoin's been bid up to an extended level where it's no longer inexpensive. It's very expensive. Can it go higher? For sure, for sure. But like, it's not inexpensive. Ethereum is from just one standpoint, less expensive with a, with a, with a higher upside and a little bit better use case. So, you know, rotation would seem natural in that situation, right? Um, especially if it got adopted by like, major institutions for some really strong use cases, which is CBD, right? You know, that's totally to be determined. So I, I, I'm totally, uh, think that it makes great sense on uh, rotation to Ethereum. I just, um, I, I wonder like Bitcoin is very obscure, has always been obscure now much more mainstream, but it's still coins, right? So, you know, what's the mechanism, what's the real tangible use case, you know, store value I get to agree. Um, but your payment mechanism it's not very it's very expensive to pay for things with the fees on it so you know but i see a lot of people that are cashing it out and buying property we're seeing that a ton in florida where somebody will roll in and buy four houses in the neighborhood with um you know bitcoin whoa not yeah. gamestop profits <laughs> no. bitcoin. it's it's a bit and that's interesting that you would rotate from a store value to a meme stock. A piece I'm of land, right? <laughs> right. So, so like Bitcoin gains to a piece of land. That so, makes yeah. So, like, very interesting behavior, and and that is throughout the state, especially along the waterfront. Um, well, I huge, think that's, that really that proves that you're. Um, it's speculative. I mean, in that particular case, and we can't expand for all cases but it is yeah. definitely a lovely play on having speculative gains that then transfer from paper to things yes yes so, yes yes that's yeah. very wise of them <laughs> so which is why they probably can overbid right because your neck of the woods is right now stupid <laughs> it's like there's 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 yeah, like it's talking to folks like uh, in, in Florida, Miami, and, and here you house sell 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and like a house that was, it, you know, it's a total <laughs> just tear down dump. Uh, you know, it paid two times, three times the asking price, and just come in three days later, tear it down. I, uh, it's stuff you'd never seen in your life, like um, that, that's totally fueled by mania um, uh, underneath the, the asset you know, structure, which is totally inflationary, right? Um, well, uh, yeah. they're both trading higher for the same type of reason, which was Peggy's comment. Um, I'm going to go grab it again, but I mean, inflation caused by having a fiat currency. So right now, this is um, definitely a, a pairs trade. Um, comment here, think of Bitcoin as the first killer app, but the tech is more general than even for finance. It's a yeah, architecture for the entire internet and every app on the internet so comments on that i think that's a fair statement that's where i was going with my insurance um comments like uh the way insurance has been subjective um you know when risk is pooled right so they you know have been extremely profitable um because they have selectively distributed payouts right banks have done the same thing um, so it wasn't based on an algorithm, it was based on an opinion um, or an opinion letter or an opinion judgment or appraiser, right? Things like that. A lot of this kind of stuff, um, you know, people have been like, man, this is inefficient. And they said it for a long time in those spaces. And this is coming in with people genuinely trying to figure out how to apply that kind of a blockchain architecture for smart contracts into that and pool resources, et cetera. And that's an NFT piece too, where, you know, one of the, the fundamental things for like uh, non-fungible tokens is again, not the tokens, not the baseball cards, not any of that stuff. It's a contract, right? It's, it's one of one transferable, 
right? Like where there's no medium. And so you're seeing this kind of uh, rush from middle men enterprise structures or, you know, resource structures that's very attractive. And when there's, in the technology world, typically when you see a removal of a structure and clearing a path between the two parties, you see a lot of value created because that whole, yeah, there's, there's something completely wiped out for sure, right? The old structure is wiped out, but the end users, the two parties, whatever it may be, typically see a significant pickup in value, right? And things expand based off of that because everything gets much more efficient. So I, I think that's a very fair statement. It's just so generalized that the statement is so generalized. It's just, you'd have to like kind of go sector by sector what the, the specific use case might be. But um, I think a lot of us would have to agree that, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of stuff's inefficient. It could be a lot more efficient. And we've said this for a long time and, you know, software's eating everything. So it's just coming through that, that side of it, right? That's my perspective of it. So I think it's a very fair statement. How about his follow-on, not just money, decentralization. And I have a-, a totally. Yep, totally agree. Yep, yep, file cloud stores, or, you know. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 that- but as that's as time Azure and Amazon I think that I think that's as time progresses. AWS is already moving that way. Like I've seen stuff called uh, Kafka and a few other things. So uh, you know they're they're you know AWS is a 1100 pound gorilla. They're gonna they're very very agile. So um, I'd say they probably adopt that kind of stuff. So well you know you say that, but uh, you know maybe they're Bezos leaving. They change the way they operate, but it didn't happen with Apple when uh, when Jobs left. So I I don't. You know, I, I think this is the first part of the story. As far as the inflation in the coins, the speculative mania, all that kind of stuff, it's two different things. I think the technology is super interesting. We've got a really interesting road in front of us. Exchanges might be, it's great for the great for the users, great for the participants of what some of the stuff could do. But I'm not sure the value structure of some of these things. Like when you're talking about creating a coin called KuCoin that has a $135 million market cap in like okay, 48 okay, hours, so, right? And, and and Doji was, you know, built as a joke, but the term of art for the generalization is Web 3.0, which kind of made me think also the uh, 2.0 for Ethereum, it's gonna help minimize costs. That's another kind of bullish case, if you will. And how are NFTs priced right now? This crazy market that is just, you know, I, I say crazy because I don't understand it, but as it relates to valuation, but how how is that stuff, this this decentralized finance and and NFTs and the and the rest actually priced? What are they priced on? Is it priced on? Oh man, is it, is it yeah. In is it priced in dollars? Like, how does this really work? <laughs> you know, effectively, at the end of the day, it's a it's a property you know property ownership thing that is a is somewhat of a more efficient way to verify and validate. Now, some of the stuff is kind of obscure and, and very, very odd things, right? But I, I have not honestly dug into the NFT stuff enough because I see Paris Hilton promoting her first NFT. It turns me off to these. Yeah, things. well, this is what happened with the right. SPACs, right? Once you yeah. got the celebrities involved in promotion of the SPACs and the issuance, it actually fell on the weight of it. And it dropped 80% from the highs, the ETF anyway, the SPAK. It's just now bouncing a little bit again, second bounce. We'll see if it has any, you know, wings so to it. I go um, to the two, two sides of it again. You've got the speculative side and then yeah. the underlying kind of technology or, or medium of exchange that's trying to be figured out. That seems to be somewhat promising, could be, you know, very useful in autos and things like that. But this, you know, art or any of these stuff, but this stuff on the speculative side is just nonsense, right? Like, you know, things get very carried away, buying, you know, baseball cards for $600 million. It's again, a case of a lot of money sloshing around and too few goods of value to put it in, or they can't get their, I don't know, their new car, their new computer. Kind of like the forest for the trees. I don't know. Right, like you know, seeing you know, seeing the forest for the trees, and the the underlying stuff to me is so powerful that I stopped really concerned myself with the the price of some of this stuff or participatory in that because it's kind of like yeah, we all know that these things are are kind of uh, being whipped around by much stronger stronger tailwinds that are not really sustainable. Which how that's not sustainable is yet to be 
kind of played out, right? But um, it is not sustainable for this inflationary stuff. Like when you don't have employees, you know, and so we ended up kind of tying all back to my anecdotal story. We ended up coming home because every spot that we You didn't we get drove, your beer? We didn't get a beer. Well, I had one at the house, but like we, we, <laughs> we, we can't... <laughs> self-serve you always like get a better serving when you serve at home so so you know, we, we end up coming back because every place that we went through the downtown area was also full and there was no like maybe you could see pretty much at most of the places it's only three or four employees right like working an entire long entire way. restaurant so so this kind of stuff doesn't seem sustainable now what you know, Fed's trapped. We talked about that extensively. They've chosen inflation. Here we are. We're in the middle of it. The whirlwind, the tornado of inflation. Now what? I don't, you know, the interest rate situation is not tenable. They can't raise rates at all. So what do we get now? That's a question I have. I don't have an answer for that. Oh, this is our stuff. I mean, obviously the, 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 the yield curve has something to, to say and what is expected, of course, is nothing tomorrow in FOMC meeting, and then yeah. nothing in actual tapering until a year out. And the Fed funds futures rate and you know future rate hikes are also way out there. So the market is basically pricing in inflation. Um, inflation expectations are driving this commodity ramp that is rotating from one commodity to another and, and staying bid, whether it be copper, just about ready to go into technical blue skies again. Um, and yeah, this is a this is a beautiful trade. And I know folks are worried about uh, Fed coming in and tamping down, uh, you know, interest rates and such, but they're letting it run hot. I don't think it's going to change tomorrow. If anything, they might put some guidance there as to when they're going to do it. But um, otherwise, we're just getting into that, you know, I guess, Right now, I'm watching to see if we're going to get into this parabolic run in commodities that do not have a fundamental weakness, you know, a case at, like gold, like natural gas, like oil, which really can stay lower for longer. There's just no reason for them to run up right now. <laughs> so if those commodities start to really get bid, they're being used as a hedge <laughs> yeah. on this inflation in a big in a big way and they can get a little excitable and then that excitement and you know in oil in particular can definitely break markets but it's it's early innings yet so i i don't know this this um gold outperform outperforms has always been um you know as an in inflation adjusted real rates had lower and real rates have been heading higher <laughs> so it's not outperforming long story short because inflation is running hotter so um this, it, yeah, this is, uh, I don't think it's going to be dusted off. I think the cool kids will, at some point, if we do get this big surge higher in gold and miners and, and silver and all that other thing, then they'll, they might notice. <laughs> but for right now, the digital world is their playground and gamification is absolutely the word you coined many moons ago. And it has just been my thinking solid in, in the option flow market and in the uh, the cryptocurrency phase, fade phase, um, th this has really been just, this is, this is not our grandfather's market. <laughs> and, and, and so we've gotten uh, three solicitations the past week for companies from India to work with the Indian markets. Okay. Because they're so growing. And so when you think about the internet coming online, that's the last thing I'd probably add is that the, you know, you've got India market coming online, you've got the Brazilian market coming online, and you've got technologies that, you know, the internet coming online in those areas. So these things are growing. The demand is very strong in these areas of uh, what we're emerging now becoming strong, strong growth markets. You know, markets are going to become a lot more broad right, than just the U.S. market, too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not your, you know, not your, your previous market, right, for sure. And then, you know, so I, I think it's an exciting time to be in the markets. Um, you know, so, you know, I do think we'll see volatility, but do we see volatility 10 before we see volatility 20? <laughs> VIX 10? It, are we going to see 10 VIX, right? 
nothing so far has triggered a sizable drawdown. I mean, besides the one that we already had, which was awesome, you know, the, the, the hyper growth plays that were tied to Bitcoin fell, you know, regardless, or they, they stagnated or then they fell. And I do mean, you know, the arcs are just one symptom, which by the way, has been, you know, supported this past month. It fell lovely right into March 31st. And now it's been, you know, bid supported. We'll see if it moves higher. I think it probably will just because we're in that kind of mood for earnings and they have been delighting. But um, no, I think that this is really, um, uh, we need a trigger. I've got really nice, you know, commodity tells that say stronger until they start to be a headwind. Um, and if I'm watching, you know, things that should not be going higher, <laughs> relatively speaking, uh, net gas, oil, gold, uh, then we have to pay attention to that. Um, yield curve has flattened, but I don't think they're going to do anything really, uh, you know, as far as tapering for a while, although the market will start to price it in at some point because inflation has made its appearance and not going away. Um, Thomas asks, what about the 100 billion repo on Friday? They've been operating pretty efficiently. So whatever repo they've been doing and reverse repo they've been doing has been working. In fact, I follow uh, Barton Wang, who does a, a sicko, which is kind of a crowding out of bank balance sheets because of this issuance. They're getting really close to their SLR requirements um, for their capital reserves. And, you know, this is this is an issue. What are they doing with all this money that Right now, lots of money and no place to put it, <laughs> not just in market speak, but also in um, in uh, TGA, the Treasury general accounts and moving to the bank balance sheet and what do they do with it. So they're trying, uh, this looks like an issue more for um, mid-May, um, Fannie Freddie, all that refinancing activity. So there's, there's issues that he brings up um, towards like May 20th timeframe. But I'm not seeing any any kind of trigger. We can get one like that. But as far as I've shown the same charts last week that are, I'm, I'm right on it. NYSE and my stock bond volatility ratio, they, they, they triggered about four weeks ago and they've just gone sideways. They have wow. done anything but this little snake. <laughs> so. It's liquidity. Right at the end of the day, is the underlying theme of all of it and leverage, they, it, leverage liquidity and leverage. Yeah, and and they just are so afraid of taking the liquidity out of the system that the first slight of the you know they'll they will they will flinch and then throw some more. It, it, you know, I think that the 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 risk is to the we put so much in, we don't know what it all means or how it shakes out, then you would see the the deflationary risk, right? Of them doing something to, to mess with the mechanism of of that liquidity structure. And there's still, you know, you've got the, the infrastructure, which is just now kind of passing through and getting into the system. And they'll, you know, so curious to see if they'll do some more of that. So I, I think the tell is the abundant, you know, fiscal and monetary is one of them going to come off. That would be the first, you know, does one come off? Which one do they do first? And then like, is are they so afraid? They just say, screw it, we're just going to leave them both down. And we'll figure out what that all means later. Um, you know, I was one who was very much like, oh, they're, you know, trying to actually like lever this thing for the, for the longest time. We talked about that, you know, here, or, you know, a lot privately. Yeah, they're going to, you know, they're going to, they've always done one or the other. They're just dead, dead set on both. And so they'll, they'll keep these things flowing um, and, and, and flush, um, you know. I, and now we're seeing kind of the effects there, of it. Right? There has to be a leverage um, break. I mean, we saw a little bit in Archegos and it, that just wiped out in many respects um, Credit Suisse uh, reputation, if not their profits for several years. But it'll it'll happen again, whether it's the Bitcoin um, leverage or, you know, just we don't know what we don't know. But it can't trade based on that. So right nope. now, earnings have been beating and liquidity has been flowing and volatility has stayed neutered and market yep. structure i check every single bloody day it's still firm 
The firm. breadth is firm. The, the, yep. the volume, okay, forget volume, but cumulative volume. We talk about that all the time. Yep. Price action. So until, and valuation is a concern, but all kinds of things are a concern until we actually see a trigger. It is business as usual. Cool kids are winning, no question, with their Bitcoin up 750% since last year, right? Ethereum is winning more, which I think is kind of the migration that you have. You mentioned this at 1,000 uh, months ago, and it's you know past 2,500, and it's a safer one. It has not had anywhere near the drawdowns as Bitcoin. So um, I'm still I'm still in that trade. I think that's a great trade for the long haul. And then, of course, I seek out narratives to support it, right? Because I don't know. I can't even pronounce Dogecoin or <laughs> Binance. But I look for, like, the, 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 the tells that are getting the most attentive uh, attention and, and support. Um, so for me, it's, it, Ethereum is still, you know, nice and shiny. And gold and silver, if they become nice and shiny, I actually see concerns. <laughs> Correct. Well, you know, I think... I think um... Uh, those are to keep an eye on those and keep an eye on VIX. And um, as long as the VIX is in the cage, like we talked about last week, then party goes on. Um, prices be damned, right? Party goes on. And, you know, then the, the flip side of it is for the crypto stuff. Use case, functional use case assessments versus speculative assessments. That's what yep. would be my takeaways for today. Are you bullish or bearish on small caps? Very bullish. Yes. I'm bullish. I'm bullish on a breakout. Like I think, I think that uh, a lot of those got hit pretty hard, especially the momentum ones, and they are sitting at some very interesting inflection points where if they turn and and you get more chase on those that uh, um, we're seeing like kind of really take off. Like these things move substantively. It's like AMC, right? Uh, you know, AMC was closed. It was a joke stock. Gamma, yep. gamma, it was a gamma play, right? Oh. It was a, it was a target of Wall Street bets gamma play. Yep. Um, now it's reopening, <laughs> and it's gonna be people going into the theaters, and it's gonna have a roaring, you know, physical, tangible comeback. And you got all the other stuff inside of, uh, inside of IWM. I, I created two scans this weekend called Russell Fire and Russell Ice, uh, specifically because I wanted to look at what's happening inside of the Russell. Because the Russell's so interesting because so many of those stocks are like EV or tech plays or crypto and like they've grown in size because of market cap and the Russell rebalances based on that, based on the rules. So it's more of a not, not necessarily my bullish small cap stocks as I am the structured mechanism of that index because of what's transpiring and the fact that so many of those momentum stocks are inside of that index that are heavily purchased call structures, that that thing just kind of scales itself up. I was telling somebody earlier, I was like, that thing breaks out. <laughs> Watch it just rage because of the way that it's structured and an inflationary environment. It doesn't mean it will, but because of the way that it's structured, the risk on that is like, holy smokes, it could All really All you need run. to do is look at XRT and see that parabola. And it is based on the GameStop waiting, the waiting <laughs> of the, that particular stock, which is... An now the largest uh, largest holding in, in the Russell. It used right? to what, One of them. Yeah, it was one of them. I think Penn is now, or Caesar, Caesar's. What, it's one of those. I haven't looked at a couple of But days. it's all gambling stocks that lead the top, like, you know, two or three or four or five. It's But they're only half a percent. Within XRT, GameStop is eight and a half percent weight. <laughs> insane. Insane. So this insane. is... This is the, the, these are plays, like, if you're, like, looking around, like, looking at the, the actual... I don't like we have a way you can go you can go look at the index and the app it's free you can just look and see what the holdings are and the weightings of the holdings real quick but yep. like that that's that's like a definitely something to pay attention to here because when these things get bigger because they are squeezed via gamma because of the option structure then the index ends up buying more of it because of the market cap so it's like Unless something changes, that's a natural thing that's just continuing to happen because of the passive indexation. So well, it's think, fascinating. It's fascinating. good, I think, to have some hedges on for this earnings uh, season disappointment potential. Microsoft, in fact, um, is down after hours. So we'll see if the queues can get up and above their high from last week. Otherwise, we've got more digestion. And then potentially, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have some softness again. But okay, I wanted to get your thoughts on the crypto market. 
in particular what you like were you know in agreement because i just ethereum just is not just the cool kids are migrating to all kinds of crypto but that in particular makes sense to me <laughs> and i'm not a cool kid <laughs> all right thank you so much for explaining this jonathan and everyone thank you for joining on this tuesday um, Thursday, I'm going to be joined by Miss Izzy, who is a uh, trader, day and swing trader, and she's got a large following. So she's part of my women in trading and finance. So looking forward to that. Um, earnings, definitely. 45% of the SPX reports this week, 180 companies. My mind is spinning trying to, you know, catch all of these and also not catch them, sorry, like assess these. Um, and Bitcoin is just kind of kind of hanging out underneath its breakdown level. So all yeah. of these Bitcoin proxies, and I'm watching them, right? They rolled over on the coin IPO and Bitcoin and the proxies have bounced into resistance. That's all they've done so far. So now we've got to have that little, for those who are playing the the Maros and the micro strategies of the world, we, we got to have a little, little bit more oomph here to get them up and over. I think uh, VIX and your point about gold and silver are really simple watches. If the VIX continues to stay caged, then you'll continue to get rotation. And you know the the gold and silver are a great banking system bellwether uh, for what's transpiring as it relates to the currency. So I'm totally on board with your your statements. All right, well, that's I'm my my only ad. That's my only ad. That's all. And I, this all is my last ad, and then we will um, end. Which is I am still waiting. Where the heck are we for this NYSC chart? If it's going to trigger, um, it'll be soon. We're just coiling up here, and this is your small cap and my small cap, you know, bullish bet. Um, but at some point, we're going to either get back up here, and later we'll have a, a break, or we're going to have a break. But at yes. some point, this Very is good. going to be an excellent play for a solid swing short. In other words, more yes. for, than for just a trade. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, everyone, thank you so much. I will post.